You're listening to the Elim Church Northampton podcast. This message was recorded live as part of our regular Sunday service. We know that this is a great investment into your life. So tune in and give it a listen. For more information, visit elimnorthampton.com. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Before I go into the message today, um, I want to thank everybody that uh, comes from, from around 8 a.m. onwards to come set up the auditorium, kids' work stuff, tea, coffee, bring all the stuff out from under the stage, set it all up. This doesn't just happen. The people that avoid don't put this out for us. It's, it's the volunteers. I'll put the headset back on. Is that okay? Should we try this? That's working. Okay, I'll leave that on and I'll stay still. But I want to thank everybody that makes make our gathering today happen, that you come early. Um, I know that you work all week, it's tiring, but you come and you serve us. You serve the people that come today and those online that's doing all the stuff. We thank you so much. And uh, kids workers, just the welcome teams, set up teams, worship team. Can we just give them uh, our appreciation? And also, for everyone in our church, I think this is working okay, but I'll take that as well. I'll take three mics. Give me all of them. Um, Everyone that gives financially to our church, again, without you generously giving, we couldn't have this auditorium. We couldn't even think about doing what we do. So, again, every one of you that give, some of you that are online as well, I know you give faithfully to the church financially. Again, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. We appreciate your, your generosity in helping us continue to uh, fulfill God's purpose here in Northampton. So we do really appreciate you. Um, I want us to pray for something before I go into the message, but just the, some of the updates. Um, I only can give you information about the building once I get the facts, because it's not going to be keep coming up here saying this and I haven't got the facts. So hopefully by the end of this next week that's coming, I know it's bank holiday, so it's tricky to get people in the room. We are wanting Elam solicitor and the agents and uh, the Elam people that help with the management of the projects just to confirm heads of terms. And we're, we're not far off agreeing there. We just want a couple of legal things clarified. And once that's done, hopefully next week, then we go to change of use. So it's looking more and more closer to uh, the realization that and then the Thursday night prayer meetings are going to be really important for us where we can update and we can really pray into uh, what we need next. So be encouraged, church. Thank you for giving to the Building Fund. I'll update us soon on the, on the amount where we're going um, and what we, we want to reach and need. So again, thank you for your generosity. Different um, amounts are given, but same sacrifice. So thank you so much for all of you for that's doing that. But it is getting more exciting about the opportunity that this building is coming nearer and nearer to us for the future of our church. So keep praying. And uh, if you haven't given yet to the building fund, pray about it and ask the Lord what he would like you to give to the future of that. I'm going to pray about something. An email come to us from our Elam Head HQ. We have many missionaries, um, partners, networks all over the world. And we have some of our partners in Pakistan. And this is what the text came in. Some of you may already got this on the news. It says this, our Elam partners in Pakistan, I've, I've seen brothers and sisters 
in the faith afflicted with 21 churches and approximately 200 homes have been burnt by a large mob of Muslims. Victimized pastors and families having to go into hiding for their safety. There have been um, accusations of blaspheme with no proof whatsoever being brought forward. A number of pastors and their families have no shelter, no food, and no housing. And all their possessions have been burnt and lost. So this is just recently, last week. So could we pray right now? Now there's numerous of Christian witnesses and missions all over the world going through similar things. But this came to our attention. They're connected to our Elam movement. And we just want to spend just a couple of seconds praying for the church in Pakistan right now. So can we just stand together? Let's, let's pray right now. Begin to pray. If you can just pray, just say, Lord, we ask you to, to bring to move in that situation, Father God. We pray right now, Lord, for the people in this mission in Pakistan, the churches there, Lord, homes and churches, 200 been burnt to the ground, Father, pastors and families, Lord, nowhere to live, no food, no, no housing, all their possessions, Lord, been burnt and lost. Father God, I pray, Lord, through the generosity of Christians around the globe and from Elam as we give financially to this mission, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will help them, Lord, to reestablish some things, Lord, to bring hope and encouragement to our brothers and sisters, Lord, who are serving the Lord there, trying to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. So, Father, we pray for those that have lost people right now. We pray for those that's grieving and struggling for the faith. We pray, Lord, for those who are in ministry, who are on the front lines, Lord God. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll send your uh, angelic visitation of angels. Lord, you'll send the church, Lord, uh, through provision and blessing, Lord, upon their lives. Right now, in Jesus' name, we pray for them, Lord, as a church in the UK, Northampton. We reach and extend our blessing and our hand upon them in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Please be seated. Please be seated. As we come into the end of our faith campaign, the next campaign will be. Everybody all right behind there? Oh, so let's see if somebody's okay behind there. Um, if there's anybody behind there, that is, there might have just been a light that's fallen down. But you know, Jesus did talk about one of the most important commands for us as the church and for a, a follower of Jesus. And that is to love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Now, that means that all of you have to be involved in that. Your intellect, your emotions, your strength, okay, and your heart. The very being of you has to be involved in fulfilling this command. So it involves all of you. So you, you know, sometimes that your emotions follow the command, that some things you do things for God and your emotions are left at home and they will eventually follow. Because sometimes that if you just go off your feelings, you'll never do nothing for anybody. And so, and also with, your, with all of your strength, that means you have to get involved. You have to use your abilities, your gifts, your availabilities also to surrender that to God with our, in it, with our lives. So it's a big call that Jesus asked from us that we put him first in our lives. But beyond any other relationship in our life, be any, beyond any other thing in our life, if we put God first, then nothing else will, will get neglected. 
We hear people say, oh, well, you've got to put family first. No, if you put God first, your family will come first. Many, many relationships are neglected because we don't actually honor God first and obey what he tells us to how we, how we relate to one another. Because Jesus said, the second commandment is, is, is like the first, that you love your neighbor as yourself. So what Jesus is trying to tell us that if you are going to love your neighbor, that means you're going to love your spouse, love your family, love, love people around our lives. If you're going to do that successfully, then you're going to have to make sure that you have to have the resources and the source to help you do that. And the only way that can happen is that you put God first, that he gives you the power and the strength and his love to do the second, to love others. And so when you bypass the first command, then you will see things happen around you, deteriorate. When you bypass God's commands and God, your relationship with God, you begin to see what happens in your life. You no longer have the love for people, the patience for people, the, the forgiveness for people. It only can come from the strength of God and being connected and keep connected to the source, which is God. And so when we come to end our campaign on faith, I was listening to a sermon by Andy Stanley, and he's brilliant on this subject. I've listened to some of his sermons on developing our faith and got some ideas from that. And he said, well, we, sometimes we, we, we know that we, can, we, we get faith from experiencing God through doing great things for him. We experience God's faithfulness through obeying the word. We get experience with God by sharing our testimony and doing all things like that. And then we experience God through trials and hardship in our life because God is testing and developing our faith. But then he said this one thing that made me think about this message today. And he says, but we have to make sure that our faith is personal. It's personal. It's all about our personal relationship with God. I'm trying to sum up this whole theme of faith. And so what is it all about? Faith is about developing a relationship with God that we become to trust him more in every area of our life. Every area. That's the faith journey, that we get to know God more, that we can trust him in every area of our life. So in everything that we do, that we step out in faith in ministry, that we step out in faith in doing things. It's all about learning to trust his voice, obey his word, find out and experience God's promises, to know that God is faithful in what he says to us. And our faith gets stronger when you know God more because then you lean and know that he's faithful and whatever he says is going to come to pass in your life. Now, we're not all of us are not there yet. Because there's still areas of our life that we haven't surrendered to him. And the only reason we've not surrendered them to him is because we don't trust him. Because if you trust him, you wouldn't struggle with those areas of your life. So let me, when I talk about disciplines in our life, the disciplines that we can't bypass to grow our faith is personal disciplines. And these are the things that you have to do in private when you leave church. So this is corporate, and this is one of those things that I'm going to talk about where you can't throw away the corporate gathering because it's massively important to our devotion to God. But all the devotions that we talk about, or the disciplines, are helping us to love God, are helping us to keep connected to Him so then we can have that life to do everything else around us. So once you disconnect from God's strength, God's voice, God's commands, God's power, everything gets weak in this way. Does that make sense? So it's so important that the life of God keeps connected to us 
so that resource can flow through us so we can be more like Christ to one another and the world. And so the devil, his main priority for you is that he wants to make sure that your priority in life is not God. He wants to make sure that, the, that your greatest love in your life is not God. And so he will try and do all he can to not first place out of your heart for Jesus. And he does that in many ways, but you know, you can keep on track if you begin to make sure that you have a daily walk with God, not just a weekly one, not just a Sunday lunch like this, where you get served up a roast dinner and then you're full till Monday morning and then you're empty again and you're hungry again. But you have a daily relationship with God. That means if nobody else was around, you still have connected to Jesus. And there's three simple things which I want to bring to us which he, and challenges as well because I want to tell you these simple things, basic things, can be lost in a busy world. They can get distracted from priority. Even in my own life, doing good things, work for the Lord, <clears throat> those things can be distraction of what's most important for the source to keep that life going in our lives. And every one of us will face that in our lives. Some of you know when, you're, when you are doing certain devotions in your life, how one month it's amazing, but the next month something comes along and knocks you off track. And you think, oh wow, what's not that off the priority? And I want to talk to you about three things that I think is really important for us to keep our life making God number one in our lives, to make sure that we're loving him with all of our heart, all of our strength, all of our emotions, our mind, our intellect, and everything else that we have given it to God. And so the first thing is this, daily reading or hearing of the scriptures and prayer. Now, some people say, well, I can't read. Well, you can hear. You can get somebody to read for you. You can hear the word on um, all the apps are available for that. Now, nobody with that excuse about getting the word of God into your heart and into your mind. And this needs to be done really on a daily basis. You said, you know, you want daily bread, not yesterday's bread. And so sometimes we live off yesterday's or last week's blessing, what God did to 10 years ago, five years ago. But the most important thing is what is God doing now for you? You can't live always off yesterday. You need new bread, new nourishment. It's like you can't always live off last week's lunch, can you? You know if you want, if you want some nourishment this week, you've got to eat. You can't say, oh, that was an amazing dinner last week. I'm just going to live off the memories of that food. Not before long, you're going to lose three stone if you keep living like that. But that's what Christians do sometimes. They live off last Sunday's message and they go, oh, that was a great feast. And then the rest of the week, they don't actually have a personal relationship in the word and in prayer with God. I want to call it communication. In Luke 10, we can read what Jesus says because it is a private thing. Because the truth is in this room and online, only you and God know about these personal habits and your decisions are making in your life. You know whether these are daily decisions. You know whether the decisions that you made in private 
that you're going to express your love and your trust in God. Only you know that. And so Jesus says, um, as his disciples were on the way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened a home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So here we, here we have two people. But Mary, or Martha, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. And so the conflict here was, in the church, we need both. We need people who are working for the Lord, but we also need people who are willing to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him daily. And Jesus was saying, listen, Martha, all the works that you're doing can be taken from you. All the things that you're doing in your career and your life, do you know what? They can be taken from you. But one thing cannot be taken from you, which is eternal, is that you spending time in my presence, listening to my words, which are eternal and which bring life. They cannot be taken from you. And so I want to encourage you that in our lives that we have to develop a daily feeding program in our own spirit of the Word of God and prayer. And so I want to encourage you today to do something in your life where you make a decision to, to get the Bible and start reading in the Gospels if you're not there and begin to read even a chapter a day just spending time with God alone. See, when Jesus talked about prayer in Matthew 6, he said, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who is seen, what is done in secret, will reward you. You see, we're talking about personal, private disciplines or habits. And so when these are neglected in our lives, we lose strength. You know, Satan is always looking to actually to cut our strength from us. In, in the Old Testament, when we talk about Samson in Judges, the enemy was always trying to find a weakness in Samson. When he found out that it was his hair that was the, that the issue, if they cut his hair, he would lose his strength. And they actually did that. Samson had no longer any strength. And Satan knows when he can get the word of God, your daily reading, your daily relationship with God, out of your life, your strength will go. You know, in any of your relationships, if you stop communication, your relationship will weaken. If you're married, you know, if you stop talking for a month, you know what happens. In fact, one of the biggest things when we fall out with each other, we stop talking. And relationships go backwards. So communication, the enemy is after communication in your relationships. And he's after communication with your walk with God. And how we communicate with God is listening to him and speaking back to him. It's called word 
and prayer. It's called communication. He speaks to us through his word and the Holy Spirit. And we communicate back to him through prayer, through sharing all our struggles, our victories, our needs, our desires. You find out more about what God's in, in God's heart and he knows what's in your heart. And there's a communication. And strength comes when you spend time alone in the presence of God, whether it's for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour. But as long as you get some space before, day, before you kick off your day is a preferable time, is that you spend alone time with Jesus. And I want to tell you it's a battle. That, that there'll be World War II come against your life to try and rob you of the moments, those, those minutes of the day with the Lord where you will get distracted by many things. Now, whether it's whether you're driving a car to work alone or you go for a walk, whatever it is, but you, you've got to find some space where you are not getting distracted so you can listen and you can talk just you and Jesus. Now, I know it sounds simple. I know it's not super spiritual, but I guarantee you that there is a majority of us in this room that has some in our walk with God that slipped from us. We've been so busy or we've been distracted and even though there may be good things, we deceive ourselves and say, oh, well, I'm working for the Lord. But we neglect our relationship. And do you know something? I've seen many families because of the, the spouses that work so much and their excuses, well, we're doing it for the family but they actually got no time to spend with each other. Why? Because you're neglecting relationship. And we, we trade off work for worship. And if we're going to be successful, if we're going to love God, if we're going to be productive in our relationships, then we cannot afford to throw away our personal space with Jesus. And in my own life, in this season of the building project, busy working for the Lord, and there are many different ways why I do devotions. And I don't do it for loads of time because most of the time I'm reading the Bible to try and minister to people. But, but that's, that's not a substitute for my walk with God. I've got to get some nourishment for me. So I listen to other messages, I listen to other preachers, I go to other different people. But I've got to get some me and Jesus time. And you know what's so challenging is, well, this is so important for the kingdom. And Lord, you know I haven't got time to sit with you for 15 minutes today and just breathe and just listen if you want to say anything to me. Or allow the word to wash over me even though I'm still not awake yet. And so what I've done recently is because I'm busy, I've got the daily Bible reading in one year and I press it on and I listen to it before I get up. So I've got the word washing over me, but half the time I'm not really engaged, but I'm thinking at least I'm listening to the word. But I realized when I listened to this guy talk about relationships, I realized, you know something, it's, it's not the same because I'm not giving God my attention. And even though I'm so busy, and even though it's all kingdom work, that's got to come second. He's got to be more important than the work. 
Jesus has got because I'm losing my source reply, supply to produce fruitfulness. And so now I'm back into, I'm going to read a chapter a day. Started yesterday. Chapter a day, Luke's Gospel. I'm going to read a chapter a day. First thing before I move out of the house. Well, I'm going to get up early, do whatever it is. I'm going to read it. I'm going to ask the Lord to speak to me. I'm going to give God all my uh, excitement and worries. And I'm going to speak to him. And I want, I want it back. I want my intimacy back with God. Because that will never be taken away from us. And let me tell you something. If you're serving God, you can, you can go for a while on, on, on reserves. But you will know when you're running out. Your disconnection happens. You know what happens? You get miserable. You get grumpy. You get complaining. You get judgmental. You get irritated. Your heart is no longer in line with what God wants. You don't feel what God feels anymore. You don't want to do what God wants you to do anymore. There's something happened in your spirit. And so I'm determined that right now, you know, I'm getting back, that I'm getting into that private place where this is me and Jesus, only for me and Jesus. This is not for the ministry. This is not to see signs and wonders. This is not for my business. This is not for a new this or a new that or pay the bill. This is for me and Jesus. Because of my love for him. And the devil will try and take that from you. I know it's simple stuff. I know you say, oh, this is Sunday school teaching. But I will guarantee you, if I ask you before you leave and you go out the door, how's your daily devotions? I bet you wouldn't want to tell me. Because just as I've told you today, that I'm in the Bible probably all the time for different reasons. It can slip personal reasons don't let it slip don't get distracted for the one thing that's so important for us our daily walk with God the second thing is more challenging for us because when we talk about this subject and people get mis misunderstanding when we talk about this area because one is that we give God time in the word and prayer in our relationship. And then we have to take it to another level of relationship with God because God wants our heart, okay? And so when you look to the scripture, when you look to, to personal disciplines, many of us actually struggle with this next personal discipline. And it's actually giving a percentage of your finances to God. Now, I said I wasn't going to talk about money again about in, the, in the project of the building. Actually, I'm not talking about money today. I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about your trust. I'm talking about where your heart is. Des has already told us today that what she gave, she broke the alabaster jar and wiped it with her, out of her heart. She gave God her all. She trusted her with her life savings broke it on his feet. And Jesus said, but when you give, not if you give, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what he's done in secret will reward you. You see, our giving is a private matter, first place in our hearts before God. 
You're not giving because somebody's asked you to give in an offering talk. You're not giving because somebody's told you to give and God will bless you. You're giving because it's a relationship with you and the Lord. And this is that you are demonstrating your trust in your heavenly Father. It's a trust thing. It's a heart thing. And this one preacher says this, and I may be wrong, but I just thought I'd like to mention it. He said, when it comes to giving God a percentage, you notice I've not actually told you what percentage to give. I give 10%. Me and Linda, um, for the last 30 years, have given 10% gross of our income back to the church. Our offerings are above that. So our gift to the building fund is above our tithes and our offerings. That's not to tell you that we're clever or spiritual. That is a personal devotion that we have to keep on top. Why? Because even every time I make a decision privately to give God what is rightly belongs to him, it's telling that I trust him. I tr- that money is not my source, even though it's a good thing and it buys you lots of stuff. Money is not my source, but God is. And the only way I can prove that God is my source is that if I return to him what he's asked of me, bring your tithe to the storehouse. So, and, and so the reason why we don't do that is because we don't trust him, and somehow we feel our resources is our source. And so God will say, okay, honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your crops. Then I will bless you. See, even God asks you to test him so you can trust him. And the only place in the Bible that God asks you to test him is with your tithe. Why? Because he wants you to trust him. And I want to tell you, Christians stumble in their faith journey when it comes to giving. Because it's a big deal for us. And Jesus actually talks about it more than prayer because he knows it's contention against first love. Money has the, 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 the possibility to rob you of putting God first. And that's why it's important, and especially for you guys, gentlemen in the room. For some of, for some of us in this room who are... are Male, gentlemen, I want to ask you, before God in the private place, if you're going to grow in God, you've got to come to a point where you say, God, I'm going to make a decision to give a percentage of my income to you. I'm going to make that decision to tell you that you are number one in my life. I am not my source. This money is not my source, but you are. And I trust you. And it shows that I love you. You're first in my life. See, I haven't told you what, I told you what I give, but I want to tell you, start with a percentage. Go before God and say, I'm going to deal with this area of my life. Because Jesus said to us, no one can serve two masters. I think that's on the slide there. Either you will hate the one or love the other, or you will be devoted to one or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So so Jesus is saying there is a contention for first love in your lives, male or female. There's a contention of who is owner of you. Jesus uses the word master. It becomes your master. And the only way you can master mammon or money, the only way that you can become owner 
is that you can actually tell it where to go. And according to the word of God, that my first fruits are given to the Lord, number one, because he's number one in my life, but he is my master, he is my source, and also, Lord, when I do that, it shows you where my heart is. Now, this is not a condemnation message. This is a faith growth message for you in the room and online. If you, if you are struggling with the area of giving to God financially, break that spirit of control over you. Because it's your master. And God wants to be number one in your life. That you say, Lord, even though I may, I could do with this. Even though I may, like, you're, you're my resource. You see, some of you think that your job is, is your source. But it's not. Because your job can be taken off you like that. God is your source, not your job. Because he gives you the breath to go to your job. And when you look to your job as your source, then you become controlled by your environment this way. Instead of saying, whatever happens to me this way, he's going to take care of me because he loves me and he's number one in my life. It takes the pressure off, you know, of the control of mammon over you and greed when you release your private decision before God of I'm Lord, I'm going to honor you with my first fruit of all my crops because I love you, because I, I want to trust you. I want to release. And do you know what happens to you? And let me tell you something for me. Every time that we give, there's always a contention of struggle. Always. After 30 years. And let me tell you, those 30 years, there's been times when we've had hardly anything to live on. In the ministry, first, first few days out of Bible college, going to our first church, we had a caravan and, and hardly any money in the bank. We had, we had nothing. And we went. But we honored God and said, Lord, you're our source. And I want to tell you, over 30 years, and the, please don't get me wrong, there's not been new planes and new cars. And, and you know, the, even though God does bless people in some ways, so I think, you know, someone's got to be blessed in them areas. But what I'm saying to you is, over 30 years, we have never lacked. We have never lacked. Now, of course, you've got to manage your finances. Of course, you've got to make sure that you don't debt, let debt cripple you. And you see, what we don't understand sometimes when we talk about giving, we've had to make adjustments when we put God first in our giving. It means that there's some months we can't spend on some things that we want. Because like the building fund, so we said, okay, we want to give this amount to the building fund. That means in the next few months, we're going to have to wait another till after that to build a bit more money so we can buy that for what we, what we want in the future. See, that's what putting God first means. Seek first the kingdom. Not after you've done anything you want, then what you've got left, you give God a few crumbs. No, no God wants your first and your best. He wants your heart. 
So, because where your treasure is, guys and girls, whatever you say to me about my preaching, the Bible says where your treasure is, there is also there your heart. So it's a devotional thing, and the devil wants to rob you of that. devil wants to sort of control your life with fear. And, you know, God is our provider. You only have to look to the Old Testament and knowing that in the wilderness, God provided for 40 years, never even let their shoes of their souls bear out. 40 years, manna, quail, water, provision. Where did that come from? God's supernatural provision for his people. So I want to ask you where you're at in your walk with the Lord. Personal devotions with God, don't let the devil steal that. If you're not at a place yet or you made a decision to honor God with your substance, with all your strength, you see, your, your substance, your finances come from your strength. You get up in the morning, you go work hard, you use your brain, your mind, everything's engaged in everything that you earn when you bring it home. And God says, who's number one in your life? Let me test you because I want you to test me. And do you know what happens when you do that? Even though it's not always easy because disciplines are not easy. And there's always a contention of, don't, you know, when I ask you to pray about what to give the Lord, when God speaks to you about the amount, it'll always be above what you think. Because God wants to stretch you, wants to test you, wants to see if you can trust him. And actually, it does hurt a little bit because I don't want to give that. Because I know what I could do with that little bit more money. And I know this sounds to you, oh, this is the bit, you know. No, but this is the reality of our walk with Jesus. If we're going to love him with everything, we're going to put him first, then these things have got to come into line. Because the thing is, you can escape it all you like. But you're going to come back to the issue, is that who is first place in your life? Put this slide on for me by Andy Stanley. Giving exercises our faith because it involves letting go of what we are most inclined to put our confidence in rather than God. Wow. Someone said that the last place to get converted is our wallet. <laughs> it's so true. But you know something? You can't experience real freedom in that area until you surrender that area to the Lord. And you realize, do you know something? This doesn't have me, but God has. There's a freedom in putting God first in our lives. And finally, as we come to a close, the third thing is that we've got to keep in the habit is called corporate worship. This is a challenge, especially after COVID, where we have got into a habit of having two years off. I haven't talked much about this since we've come out of COVID. It's a long time now. But you know how, how easy church was? Well, it wasn't for us. We never had a rest. But for you guys sitting on watching TV and watching the sermon and, and the worship on telly, Wow, how easy did that become about church life? Now, there are some people that still haven't come back, and that's because they've got 
proper reasons, disability, travel, distance, work, you know, on a Sunday. And we thank God for the technology that we can go online. But you know what? If you are healthy and you've got transport and you can, and you can make it, you know, you, you shouldn't be really substituting the first day of the week to gather together as the people of God. You should make, we should make it a priority that, number, number one, I'm going to give God the first minutes of my day. I'm going to give him the first fruits of my finances. And I'm going to give him the first day of the week. Seek first the kingdom. And if you're going to do that, you're going to have to put first the king. And God would say to us, give me the first minutes of your day. Come to a place where you make a decision to give a percentage of your first fruits to God. And that's between you and the Lord. And then make a decision to make the, the corporate gathering a priority. Why? Because the corporate gathering really isn't about first place, me and you, are feeling good. Our corporate gathering is about him. I was in a minister's meeting one day doing some training with some churches and we're all talking about how we organize our churches. You know, is it seeker-friendly? Is it present-centered? Is it, is it for, you can come on, guys. Is it, is it for the lost? Is it for the saved? And I'm sitting there thinking, we've missed it. Our gatherings, dear people, we come on Sunday morning because Sunday morning seems to be the day where everybody meets for church. We come here on a Sunday for one major thing, to give God our worship. Forget about seeker-friendly Holy Spirit move. Forget about the lost first. They're important. But our first priority, and I said this in a meeting, I went, I put my hand up, I said, guys, I said, I think we've missed it. I said, we, we don't organize our churches, number one priority, to reach the lost, to encourage the saints, to meet together in fellowship. I said, our priorities, why we go on Sunday to meet us is to worship the Lord and to honor him with all of our hearts and all of our lives. I said, and when we've done that, then we can reach the lost, then we can love one another and serve one another and benefit one another. But the priority is that we come here, first of all, give our first day of the week to come and give praise to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the name that's above every other name. And the devil will try and rob the church Listen, the devil will try and rob the church of corporate gatherings because when we come together in force, we lift up the name of Jesus and we declare to the principalities and the powers of darkness that our God is faithful and our God reigns. And we love him with all of our hearts. And let me tell you something, we come corporately and we do that. The download from heaven then comes to us and gives us ideas to serve one another, to get involved in this ministry and that ministry. All comes from the resource of our relationship with God. Why? Because he's first. You know what? I, I don't know you all, but I would say that I love you because love is not an emotion. It's, it's a lot of stuff. But I want to tell you that I'm not here primarily for you, even though I'm here for you and you online. I'm here today, whether you would be here or not, for one person. 
and his name is Jesus. And I hope that you're not here for any other reason, primarily. Of course, you come to church to get a spouse and all that kind of stuff. And, but listen, make sure you come in for Jesus first, and he'll show you the right person, hopefully. Stand with me. Now, I know, I know for a fact that in this room, we're going to make some changes, because I've made one yesterday morning in my personal devotions. I'm not backsliding, don't worry. I'm talking about that devotion where I know I've connected with Jesus and he's heard me and I've heard him. I'm not talking about religion now. I'm talking about that I've locked myself away, that I've got nobody else around me and all my mind is focused on, on the one that died for me. The one that loves me more than ever I can ever imagine. The one that actually waits for me did you know that when you give God your first minutes, he's already waiting for you when you turn up? In fact, he's been waiting there all night for you. Can you believe that? Do you know something? There's never been a time in my life when I've got into a secret place that I've had to wait for God to turn up. He's always been there before me. Isn't that amazing? That he would wait. And you know sometimes, the voice sometimes when you miss that, he sort of says, I've missed you. I've missed you. Well, it's not that he's not been around. He just missed that personal touch. That Lord, I'm not here to impress anybody to go on God's channel, to write a book, to get a ministry. Lord, there's nobody see me here, only me and you see this moment because I'm only here for one purpose. I pray your presence will touch me. I pray that my prayers will touch you.